Welcome to How Story Works from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm concept developer Dr. Kelly Jones. We're breaking up How Story Works into four seasons following four topics, character, conflict, structure, and magic. This is season two, Conflict. And today on How Story Works, the conversation is about goals, knowing what your characters want and how they plan to get it. Story is power, and we don't leave power on the table. So let's get to work. I love that. You know, no matter how often we read that same exact line at the end of that, I always love it. It's so good. my favorite thing. We don't leave power on the table. We don't leave power on the table. God damn it. No, it's God. Damn it. All right, Jones, run the show. Go ahead. All right. So reinforcing learning from last week's episode about internal and external conflict. Mm -hmm. Quick little review. Um, So in an internal conflict story, you have your protagonist versus themselves. In an external conflict story, you have the protagonist versus someone or something else. Mm -hmm. Uh, So your central narrative conflict is either internal or external. But... Those kinds of conflicts can be layered throughout the story and woven together through that central narrative conflict. And okay, this is like quarantine brain. All right, this is my reality now. I don't, uh-huh. I don't leave the house much anymore. <laughs> but I've been cooking a lot. So I'm mm-hmm. like, you can have a plain chicken breast with plain vegetables. And that is technically a complete meal. So like you can have one goal and only one goal, but it tastes a whole lot better with like spices and oils and maybe a potato and now I'm hungry. Uh, but <laughs> like, <laughs> when no, I, I love that. I'm usually the one who brings in the metaphors. I love that you're bringing in the metaphors. That's terrific. Yeah. But it's well, but, but what I do when I'm meal planning is I plan around protein because I'm trying mm-hmm. to get in a certain amount every day. So that's sure. where I start. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. I, I put in everything that like complements the flavor of that protein. Mm-hmm. And so when you're thinking about, I mean, it's kind of silly, but like, well, this is my, my main central narrative conflict. Mm-hmm. Is that internal external? Okay, great. Now, what can I layer into that? You know, what can I, I mean, you know, lasagna, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's been kind of helpful for me to think about it that way. I like it. Yeah. And I'm also now super curious, and this is like, a research question that would require actual data collection. But uh-huh. um, if the introvert extrovert aspect of our personality influences the types of stories that we're drawn to. Oh, so like, like if you're more introverted. Yeah. yeah. Are you drawn to more? And I don't, I have no, I, I don't even have a research basis for asking the question. I just thought it was kind of, <laughs> yeah, cool. no, I think you'd have to gather some data for that. I, I you know, like, I think I'm an extrovert um, mm-hmm. that desperately needs a lot of time alone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, I prefer an internal conflict over like, if I had to choose one, I'd choose an internal, an external conflict is a lot easier to build, I think. And mm. it's a lot easier to kind of like, um, you know, whatever it is that you want to do with the story, you set up a really simple, like a MacGuffin based external conflict, boom, you're off to the races. And then you've got all of this space that you can do whatever it else it is you want to do with that story, you know. Um, so I love the elegance and simplicity of like a very basic external conflict as something that can hold up a story so you can do all sorts of other fun stuff. But an internal conflict is so psychologically crunchy and interesting. And so I love that too. And it's hard. It's hard for me to choose. That's why I like to combine them both. I like to have them both together. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I think so too. Um, okay, so that was a quick review. And today we are going to talk about goals. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I love defining your goddamn terms when it is a word that is a simple, commonly used word that we all refer to all the time. And half the time we are not talking about the same thing. These are fun <laughs> to define, right? So Lonnie yeah. Danrich. Define your goddamn terms. Define my goddamn terms. All right. Well, the dictionary definition of a goal is the object of a person's ambition or effort or an aim or a desired result, right? Um, And that is basically what we're looking for in um, in your stories. And the thing is, is that it's 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 really hard because what it comes down to is what does your character want, which is always the hardest question for me to answer whenever I'm writing a story. If somebody comes to me and says, what does your character want? I don't fucking know. I don't know. She just (laughs) wants to be happy, I guess, or whatever. You know, Um, I struggle with that so much. And it wasn't until I realized that I didn't have to know until I was done writing the rough draft that I finally Mm -hmm. relaxed around it and it actually became helpful. Um, But, you know, narrative conflict, as we've talked about, is the fuel that keeps a story moving. And, And the core concept in narrative conflict we've been kind of casually throwing around without really looking at it is goals, protagonist goal, antagonist goal. That's central to the formula for central narrative conflict. Um, So in terms of narrative, goals are the source of the conflict, which is the source of the structure. So you need all of these in order to build everything. Without goals, you can't move forward. Or, you know, you can, but then it's just going to be like stuff happens and it's not really going to be building toward anything. Yeah. So when we talked about narrative conflict, we Mm -hmm. were saying like, this is what drives the story forward because people don't change unless they have a reason to change. Right. Mm -hmm. So in this context, the goal within this story, within this narrative structure is that character's motivation or reason like that thing, which will make them take action. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. This is what they're shooting for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're going to hang out and like watch Netflix. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I love the Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the the protagonist is when he's first like introduced to this choice, right? Mm-hmm. He had this like adventure choice. He says no. Um, and it's years and years and years and years go by of like mm-hmm. just an ordinary life. And then the choice represents itself. Uh, um, and I I really liked that construct. Like it was just kind of interesting to be like, yeah, yeah. you know, th- it, this hasn't started yet because he said no. You know, when that right. When that well, that's the goal thing. first like, came around. Right. It's one of those things, and um, it's it's one like the basis of improv comedy. Right? Is that you always say yes and like if somebody yes. you know presents something, you always say yes and, um, and that is something that like you if your character is saying no and resisting, then that ends up being um being like a negative goal, which is something that we're we'll talk about in just a little bit the difference between positive and negative goals, um. But I wanted to start first, like get a little um clarity on on goals um because like i said one of the hardest questions for me to answer as a writer is what does your protagonist want um and sometimes when i have an external conflict it's a little easier to say but with internal conflicts i always end up struggling um and for some writers you know like i said before it's okay not to know until you're done with your rough draft by the time you're done with a draft of the book and you've written it you should have some idea and if you don't you got to go back and figure it out because that's how you go back and and fix it um 
Mm -hmm. For writers who plot everything out, plan everything out ahead of time, they'll know before they start writing and then that's good. But they need to have that question um, answered um, at the latest by the time your rough draft is done. Um, So one of the questions that I get, though, is like, does everyone need a goal? Like you have you have a protagonist and an antagonist and they need goals and those goals need to be in conflict. That is the whole source of PGAG. Right. Um, But what about your, you know, sub characters, your background characters? Um, And so, you know, I mean, it it ain't going to hurt. Like if we talked about mundane conflict versus narrative conflict, right? Mm-hmm. The central narrative conflict is the protagonist and the goal, you know, blocking the antagonist or the antagonist with a goal blocking your protagonist with a goal. Um, but a narrative conflict can be anybody with a goal having that goal blocked by anybody else, even including themselves. Um, so having goals, having things that your background characters, your uh, secondary characters want uh, is, is not going to hurt having a little more narrative conflict in there and they can be smaller narrative conflicts with smaller stakes and shorter you know subplot storylines uh you know less real estate in the story dedicated to it that's completely fine um should everyone have a goal i don't think you need to make everybody have a goal at the very least you're going to need a protagonist with a goal versus an antagonist with a goal um but not every character needs to have a goal if that makes sense yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I, I wanted to like dig into this clarity a little bit more because mm-hmm. I realized as I was working on these notes from your notes that this is an area where I've gotten stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, it's one of these things that I feel a little silly explaining, but I like, well, maybe somebody else is stuck on this too. Yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to throw it no, out there. Absolutely. Um, but when we're talking about goals, like understanding, we're talking about the central narrative goal, mm-hmm. like the one that forms your central narrative conflict, right? right. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily the only one nope. in the story or, you know, goals are nuanced. Mm-hmm. They're they're varied. And I realized in my head, I had substituted goal for like desires. Uh-huh. So thinking about what the character wants from life, who they want to be who they want to love, what they want to experience, you know, and it was really about getting to know that character. Yes. And not a central narrative goal for this story. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just found that to be really, really helpful. Um, No, that's a good distinction to make. And that's, I think, why sometimes it can be really hard to answer the question, what does your character want? Because Mm -hmm. your character should want a lot of things right what is what is it that your character is in pursuit of in this Mm -hmm. story may actually be um like a better question you know yeah i like that what is your character in pursuit of what what change are they trying to affect yeah and then i was thinking about it too in the different like if you're writing a series Mm -hmm. with the same protagonist yeah and then the idea of like a constant or overarching goal Mm -hmm. versus a contextual goal so like maybe you have a detective Mm -hmm. whose goal is to like be the best badass detective that she can all the time Mm -hmm. but every single book is a different antagonist yes so like her overarching goal stays the same whereas then it's going to vary with each story so I mean that may Mm -hmm. be a little oversimplistic but it's been helping me to think about it like that no and I mean it's actually really good to start from a simpler space right if if we start by talking about like you know the game of thrones type which is game <laughs> of thrones is always my go-to for the most complex 
story yeah. structure, you know, um, it is unbelievably complex. But yeah, say you've got a, a long series, you know, um, you've got a Kinsey Milhone kind of thing, you've got the whole alphabet you got to go through, right? Um, and every single book, the, you know, the antagonist of that book is going to be whoever the murderer is, because they don't want to get caught and Kinsey Milhone wants to catch them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but also like having goals for the character that they work through. I mean, I think having more than one through the whole now, okay, I haven't read the whole Kinsey Malone. I think I read the first like three or four books and then was like, oh, okay, I get it. I'm done, you know. Um, yeah. But let's just say I, I haven't read the whole thing. But let's just say for the sake of this example, that we've got 26 books, we got a whole alphabet we got to go through, right? Um, and let's say that for the first six books, Kinsey wants one thing, right? And then at the end of the, the first six books, um, she either gets it or she doesn't. Right. You know, she either wins or she loses. Right. Um, But that is a narrative arc for those six books that becomes one, you know, one story. Right. And then we've got Mm -hmm. all those little um, all those novels inside that that make that big arc. Right. And then we've got the arc that goes through all 26 letters. Right. So you can have a lot of these things kind of layered on, because if you think about like if you ask yourself the question, what do I want? Like right now, you can answer right? that question on a number of different levels. Like I can answer it on the on the like, do I what do I want? I want a hot cup of tea. Like right now, I want a hot cup of tea. Right. Um, so that's one thing that I want, you know, but I also want to finish writing my book, you know, my House Story Works book so I can get that published and get that out to people. Um, also, long term goals. I want to start speaking. I want to start going places. I want to start doing all this. Stuff. So like I have a bunch of things that I want right now, but they're all in different different scales you know um so you can think about that in terms of your stories as well that if you're telling like a series long you know a a series of stories um that you can progress an arc with your character through that series as well you know um Mm -hmm. yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah it does but like hearing your list of things that you want Mm -hmm. that's normally how I think about my a character yeah. that I'm working mm-hmm. with. Right. So just just the nuance change of, but what is their central narrative goal for this story? For this story. You know, what, what are they in pursuit blocked? of yeah. this time? Right. Mm-hmm. What is being blocked has been really helpful. Yeah. Um, and you have you have an acronym to help I us do. analyze these, these kind of goals. I have another acronym. Now, here's the yeah. thing. I'm going to I'm going to pull this back a little bit. And, and everybody who's listened to the first like, you know, I don't know, 40 episodes of this podcast when I was on my own already knows this. But when I was talking about goals all of these years, I've always said ASPA, right? ASPA is the thing for, um, you know, for goals is it's active, specific, personal and achievable. Right. And so the lovely Dr. Jones makes up the scripts for us here and then uh and had a typo and she called it asap right and i was Mm -hmm. like oh no that's friggin' brilliant because it should be asap right because you want your goal as soon as possible and asap is so much easier to remember so uh my book i haven't handed it in yet so um now i'm gonna put this in (laughs) so i'm very excited that that you did this before um before i finished writing up my whole theory for the world to see because i think that asap works so much better um but anyway so the the when i'm thinking about goals um i think 
ASAP, which is active, specific, achievable, and personal, right? So those are the, mm-hmm. those are the four um, qualities that, that a good goal should have. So we're going to go ahead and kind of run through what all of these mean. Um, but, uh, but, but if you have ASAP in mind when you're thinking about your goal, when you're thinking about writing your goal, it's going to help you build a stronger goal. Um, so the first one is active, right? Is, and what makes a good active goal, you know? Um, for one, it's a positive goal. And by positive, I do not mean like that it's a selfless, save the world kind of thing. Um, although I guess there's, you know, nothing ruling that out. Um, you know, but in, <laughs> in narrative context, I'm using positive to mean that your protagonist is an active pursuit of something rather than passively wishing to avoid something. Um, so for instance, many times in my classes, when my students are pitching their like final short film projects, I will ask them what their character wants and they will often proceed to tell me what their character does not want. You know, uh, she doesn't want things to change. He doesn't want this girl to think he's a dork. She doesn't want to lose her job. Um, And the second you hear yourself saying, you know, so-and-so doesn't want X, you need to revisit your drawing board. Um, While it's okay for the antagonist to start things, you know, which means that your protagonist will be reacting basically to shots fired. Once the conflict is in the air, the protagonist should be in active pursuit of a positive goal. You know, positive goal is I want something. A negative goal is I don't want something, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. And just very quickly, because mm-hmm. I can't help it, um, to connect that briefly yes. to learning theory. Um, oh, our I brains, love it. Yes, thank you. It takes longer and more work and more energy for our brain to process a negative command. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting ready to run out in traffic and I scream, Lonnie, don't run. The yes. first thing your brain hears is run. Uh-huh. If I yep. scream, Lonnie, stop. Yes, then that's it's so much faster cognitively to process. Mm-hmm. So like you always want to put instructions into positive phrasing instead of negative phrasing and mm-hmm. not by this is a good intention, but you take the word not out of it. Don't yes. don't is not helpful when exactly. you're dealing with humans. Um, and well, I think this, yeah. the same holds true for character goals. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that may be part of the reason why <laughs> this works yeah. so much better. Um, because the thing is, is that if you say, Lonnie, don't run, right? That what if I started skipping, then that would be okay. Right? What if I started dancing, then that would be fine. Exactly. Right? There's a And if you were four things. years old, that's exactly what that's you would exactly do. That's exactly how you think, right? <laughs> I'm not supposed to run, but I can skip into traffic now and it'll be fine. Right? Um, so yeah, I mean, absolutely. And also, like, when you've got an active positive goal, your your character is all focused focused on one thing. When it's a negative goal, they're not focused. You know, it Mm -hmm. could be anything but right, you know, and we need yes, and so we need this, you know. Um, So you definitely want to be uh, to have a goal that is that is um, really, really positive. And it also keeps your act your character from being passive, which is another really, really terrible thing for a character to be. Um, If you look at Disney's classic Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, um, you know, we know Snow White is the protagonist, her name's on the marquee, like we get it right, you know, Um, but she is passive, right down to her I want song someday my prince will come honey no if you want your prince go find him like uh be active she's just sitting Mm -hmm. there waiting you know um she runs because the hunter tells her to you know after being sent by the the queen to go kill her um the queen is very active and positive you know as far as like she has a very specific goal she wants to be the fairest in the land which means she got you know with snow white right um (laughs) 
But Snow White is just, she's just sitting there. She's just sitting there like a lump, except when she's taking care of seven men. So, you know, whatever. Snow White's a whole discussion for me. We're not going to go into that right now. But um, but it's a really, really passive character. And a passive character is just kind of boring. They're dead on the page. They're dead on the screen. It's just, it's not a lot of fun. So you want to make sure, again, the A in ASAP that your character has an active goal. Um, the S in ASAP is for specific. Um, remember before we were talking about the avoidance negative goals she does want things to change we were talking about how it could be anything right i mean that mm-hmm. a negative goal in essence is non-specific by its very definition you know there's just nothing there it's anything but this thing which means almost anything right so it's not specific um it's just vague you know um she wants she doesn't want things to change she wants nothing to change you know well the date's going to change her mood is going to change the mileage on her car is going to change um it doesn't give us anything that we can actually lock onto. So a good goal is specific. Um, And even better is a specific goal with a time lock. Um, Like one of the examples I always end up going to and which I've gone to before in this podcast is dodgeball, right? 30 days to raise $50,000 to save his gym, right? Boom. Mm -hmm. So you've got a time lock. You know that you've got to do this thing within a particular amount of time or you're going to lose, you know? Um, So that gives you a time pressure. So it adds to the conflict and we know specifically what it is that Peter LaFleur has to do $50,000 in order to save his gym what's the old movie with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock there's a bus speed and it's gonna (laughs) speed speed (laughs) speed is a great time lock movie it is do not drop under what 55 miles an hour you go boom yes Exactly, exactly. And they can only do that for so long. So they have to find a solution to that problem before they run out of gas, you know, before they run out of road, you know, so there's Yeah, there's a lot there's there's that pressure on there. So having that on a specific goal, having a time lock on a specific goal is just absolutely beautiful. It just ramps up that pressure. And this is the thing we want to ramp up the pressure on your protagonist. If they have forever and a day to realize their goals, they will take forever and a day because people are, you know, <laughs> lazy and unmotivated. Anyway, yeah. um, so the that's the A and the S and ASAP. Now we get to the second A, which is achievable. This means simply that the goal needs to be something that the protagonist could reasonably achieve. I mean, it's really nice, again, if your character wants world peace, but is that in their power to achieve? I mean, not really, which means we already know that they're going to fail because their goal is impossible. Um, So things to look at um, in regard to, you know, achievable. Is it achievable within the scope of the story? Like, remember, we were talking about the time lock. If the goal is $50,000 to save the business in 30 days, that's fine. They can do it. 30 minutes, probably not going to happen. Not achievable within the scope of the story. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, is it achievable within their power? Like, uh, we want world peace. That's great. Is it within one person's power to create world peace? Absolutely not. Um, That's not an achievable goal. Um, It's also vague. It's also not personal, which is the next thing we're going to talk about. It's a bad goal. Wanting world peace is a bad goal. I'm just saying narratively, it's a bad goal. As a human, if that's the the thing that you want the most in the world, then, you know, good for you. You're a good person. Um, So and remember, it's not that they will achieve it. It's that it's possible that they can Mm -hmm. achieve it. Right. If they if we know that they will, then the answer is already done. And some of the the, you know, concern that, that drives us into the story that makes us interested in watching it is lost. Although... 
I will say that I've watched Dodgeball a number of times and I always know how it's going to end, but I still enjoy it because it's still a fun story. Yeah. So, um, well, I watch historical movies that yeah. I know roughly how they end and still watch them. Yeah. But I'm, in thinking about what's achievable, mm-hmm. like some of that also depends on the story world that you have created, oh, right? Because sure. mm-hmm. I'm. I'm thinking about the big grumpy guy with all the infinity stones who wanted yes. to knock out half Thanos. the population. Well, yeah, dude yes. did it, right? And yeah. it was believable within the context of that within the scope world. of the story. Absolutely. Yeah. Is it possible within is it possible within the scope of the Marvel Cinematic Universe for Thanos to get all of the infinity stones, snap his fingers and get rid of half of the population? Yes then you are yep. good on achievable. Yes. It has yep. to be achievable within the scope and scale of the story that you're telling of the world that you're, that you're telling your story in. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last one in ASAP is personal. The goal needs to be deeply personal to your character. And once again, let's go to world peace because it's a bad goal for a lot of reasons. So I'm going to go back to it. It's really nice. But it's not terribly personal. I mean, your character's investment in world peace is about the same as everyone else's. I mean, like, hey, that'd be great, you know. Um, But if it's your character's business that's on the line, say the children's bookstore that she inherited from her mother and she has to fight the greedy corporate assholes who moved a Fox Books into her neighborhood in order to save it. Yeah, that's fucking personal. Right. So you want that's from uh, You've Got Mail, which is a terrible movie that I love. So we'll have a discussion about that later on. When we talk about romantic goals, we're going to be talking about a romantic conflict. We're going to be talking about uh, You've Got Mail a lot because it's terrible and I love it. But anyway, uh, but the goal in the beginning is actually solid. It's very, very personal. This bookstore is very personal to Meg Ryan and not just because it's her bookstore, which would have been enough, but it was the bookstore she inherited from her mother. She grew up there. Her memories as a child are tied into the bookstore and she believes passionately in children's stories. Um, All of that is deeply, deeply personal. That's what you want in your goal. Um, All right. So now I have thrown our lovely Dr. Jones to the wolves in this because I <laughs> told her to pick two movies so we can and have her analyze the, the goals for the ASAP criteria um, and see how well um, how well you, how comfortable you feel with thinking about goals in these terms. So what'd you This will be fun. Yeah. Because there's nothing I love more than being graded live. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I picked two movies that I hope like are well known enough that. Okay. I think you so. You know, people yeah. will know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, one where the central narrative goal is reached and one where it is not. Mm-hmm. Um, My Cousin Vinny and The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I am fancy like that. <laughs> you are um, fancy. I am so fancy. So Vinny mm-hmm. and my cousin Vinny, his goal, he wants to defend his nephew from a wrongful murder conviction in order to save him from prison and possible execution. There you go. Is that active? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Vinny drives down from New York to Alabama and takes Alabama. the case. Alabama. You need a passport to come down here, y'all. <laughs> um, is it specific? Yes. Vinny wants to convince these jurors on this case to find his nephew not guilty. Mm-hmm. He needs to win this case. Yes. Personal, yes, his nephew's life is on the line. Um, and I like the the like internal conflict story that's layered in there too, mm-hmm. because Vinny just passed the bar mm-hmm. sixth time the charm. <laughs> um, and he needs to prove to himself that he can be a good lawyer. Yeah. So like that is very personal, mm-hmm. right? Internally and externally. Yes. Uh, so achievable, yes, his nephew is innocent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of circus. Circ- <laughs> circumstantial <laughs> evidence. I can't, I can't say the 
this. I'm just going to leave it in the show like that because that is already four edits. It's fine. There is a lot of circumstantial you evidence stacked against them. There, there we go. go. Uh, mm-hmm. But Vinny believes he can win the case, and he does yes. once he overcomes his own internal conflicts and learns how to ask, ask for help, mm-hmm. which I like. Yeah. So there what do you think? Did I get... Excellent. Am I right? Am I good? Excellent. Did I get an excellent, A plus? A plus. Excellent analysis oh, so of, of Vinny. Um, all of this is true uh, with his goals. It is a very good um, uh, external conflict, you know, um, that he is working toward. But who's the antagonist in My Cousin Vinny? So I, I talk about that in a minute, but I think it is Vinny versus the state of Alabama. So it's Vinny versus society, but mm-hmm. it is personified through the prosecutor and the sheriff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. It's, it's it is it's take. definitely yeah versus the state you know which can be impersonal uh, but we do yeah. have this prosecutor and uh, and they are working against Vinny so yeah yeah I think that you're uh, I think that you're dead on all right so what was your other movie okay the Devil Wears Prada mm-hmm. um, Andy Andrea Andy is our protagonist. Mm-hmm. So her goal, she wants to be a writer in New York City, and to get there, she needs a job. She gets a job. She needs to survive in that new job at Runway Magazine as Miranda Priestley's assistant for one year. Mm -hmm. And a million girls might kill for that job, but it's actually a job from hell, and none of Miranda's assistants last that long. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this is the, the goal. She wants to last a year. Um, is it active? Yeah. She takes the job. She learns the job. She changes herself to fit the job and decides to tough out that awful year with that awful boss mm-hmm. um, until she doesn't, but that's also an active choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, is it specific? Yeah. She does all kind of stuff to win Miranda over and survive in that job. And again, it's this job with a time loss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's trying to last for a year. Uh, is it personal? Yeah. And I think it becomes more personal. So at first, like she's just there to survive this for a year mm-hmm. because she thinks that that will help her get into professional writing. Right. But it becomes more and more personal as um, she's criticized for not fitting into the fashion world as she decides to learn and appreciate this new thing as she decides to change but then start seeing the kind of compromises that she's making mm-hmm. so it becomes a lot more personal than it was when she started yes mm-hmm. um, and is it achievable yeah I mean Andy doesn't fit in the fashion world and Miranda can fire her at any time, but it's in Andy's power to do all she can to keep the job. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and then in the end, when she decides to quit, she quits under her own power and for her own reasons. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that was what I got with that one. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty good. Who is Andy's antagonist? Um, Andy. Yes. I think it it could be very misunderstood that it's Miranda, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not. I yeah. think this is the 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 whole idea that this is the only way to become a writer. That's from Andy. Mm-hmm. The last a year, just because someone tells you that doesn't make it true. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, caring about what Miranda thinks, caring about how everyone else dresses, all of that becomes internal. And then at the end, when she realizes she is like she finally wins Miranda's acceptance, mm-hmm. but realizes that she is on the path to be that kind of person. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's an internal conflict story. Mm-hmm. Yes. Whereas my cousin Vinny is external. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Very good. But Miranda Priestley is the best goddamn external and antagonist, like for that lie, you know, for that part of the story. Yeah. Well, she's I mean, so she's good. not an antagonist, though. She's actually no. helping Andy throughout the whole thing. You know, she is nudging, she's pushing Andy, but yeah, she wants to true. form Andy to be her. 
right? She asks Andy to bring the book to her apartment. She asks Andy to come to Paris with her. She, you know, there's all of these things that she's doing that she's being really rude to Andy. Um, But she's, so she's being mean, but she's doing it in a way that actually is pushing Andy closer to Andy's stated goal, which is that she wants to be a writer. You know, that Miranda Priestley is going to be the one who actually makes it possible for Andy to do this. So Miranda is more on Andy's side than Andy actually is. This is an internal conflict. And this is one of those circumstances where, you know, you see something and you think, oh, no, this is an external conflict. This is Miranda versus Andy when in actuality, it's really not, Um, which is what makes it a really interesting conflict. And especially because, you know, she wants to be a writer, but she's not writing, you know, which I find to be I find to be personally, I feel personally seen by that. Oh, Um, me too. Because I am a writer who does not write anywhere near as much as I want yeah. to write. Um, and uh, and so that's something that like hits, I think hits all of us writers right mm-hmm. where we live. Um, but the idea that she has to have this job is also like part of her believes this thing that is not true. And when she's finally yeah. able to see that even if it is true, it doesn't matter because it's not the person she wants to be. That's when she grows through this. And so this it's it's interesting because it's you know, it's Andy who is this nice, you know, hometown girl who doesn't care what she looks like versus Andy who really, really wants to get ahead and wants kind of mm-hmm. that achievement, you know? Yeah. Um, and so her having to sort that out to decide that what she really wants is neither option A nor B, but something else entirely, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I yeah. find that really interesting. It's it's a good, it's actually a, a pretty good movie. Um, it's one it of those is. things that gets immediately dismissed because people dismiss it a lot of the time, yep. but um, that yeah. 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 So yeah. well, and it's one of the few movies that I watch over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Um, yeah. and I don't know if it's just because I love Miranda Priestley mm-hmm. so much, because I do. She is yeah. evil and I love her. She's fantastic. Um, she's so freaking good. But Meryl Streep getting out of that car, I will watch that scene a million freaking times and be happy. But there's something very compelling yeah. about this, you know, an opportunity that is not what you think it is. Mm-hmm. And what are you willing to change about yourself in order to have what it is that you think you want? Mm-hmm. Um, that I just think it, it, it asks some very good questions. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it's, it's an yeah. actually, it's a really, really fun movie. Um, and I actually didn't really enjoy the book as much as I enjoyed the movie. Um, Me too. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. movie is much better. Yeah. The movie was much, was much more enjoyable. Um, but the, and the cast is amazing mm-hmm. and the humor is really good. You know, it's just a it's good a movie. Good movie. Um, yeah, so that was okay. I'm glad I passed. Yay! Yes, of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah, um, and it's. I think again, I just for me, like separating out this central narrative goal versus like a character's desires, like who they are mm-hmm. as a person and what they want out of life, um, is is a really big key takeaway from this discussion. Um, because then it it just makes more sense mm-hmm. for like you're thinking about this narrative, this story as one slice of time Mm -hmm. right for this period of time for this story in this person's life what are they actively pursuing yes what what do they want in that context badly enough Mm -hmm. to get going to do something to change Um, and that's you know in addition to all the things that they want as a person you know which which I really like Um, and I realized with this that the goals in the stories that I enjoy seem to grow and evolve Mm -hmm. yes um, that can happen Mm -hmm. Yeah, for the protagonist and the antagonist mm-hmm. sometimes. So like in my cousin Vinny, 
um, you know, I, I thought it was Vinny versus the state of Alabama personified right. by the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. Well, in the beginning, it's very clear. Vinny wants the jury to acquit. The prosecutor wants the jury to convict. But by the end, the prosecutor actually wants to find the guilty party. Yeah. Like, it's it's not about convicting this person. It's about figuring out who committed this crime. Yeah. And, like, this is in the context of a comedy. It's very lighthearted. But you still see this, this change, mm-hmm. right? And so the world has changed. Yes. Maybe the next case, they will care a little bit more about Who determining really guilt. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. before they get there. You know, and then, it, like I said, in The Devil Wears Prada, in the, in the beginning, it is, I want to be this writer. I'm going to mm-hmm. jump through these hoops. Yeah. And in the end, it's really questioning who do I want to be as a person? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and those goals evolve and change. And you see Miranda deepening, you know, in that yeah. experience with Andy, too. Um, so I really, really like that. Um, and I thought it was kind of a neat tie in to our next discussion when you're thinking about that ASAP mm-hmm. model, right, with goals and desires. Yeah. Um, because say your character wants to fall in love more than anything in the world, but you can't make yourself fall in love and you can't make anybody else fall in love with you. And, you know, if you question me, I will cite RuPaul because that's just how it is. But that kind of desire can be a vulnerability for a character. It can yeah. be part of a character's personality or part of their outlook. Mm-hmm. But it's not an active goal because they can't actively right pursue right mm-hmm. like not in the same way of what we're of, of the kind of goals that we're well, talking because, about and why is that because it's not achievable right, right? You, you can't cannot, make like, this happen you can fall in love absolutely but you cannot mm-hmm. make it happen you can't pursue that necessarily you can open yourself up to like you know if you if you're interested in falling in love you can date you know you can get on the yeah. online apps you can make yourself available as much as possible there's certain things that you can do but you can't make yourself fall in love with somebody and you can't make anyone fall in love with you and in the end that is an unachievable goal so yeah right. Mm-hmm. right so i just thought that was like a good ending example to transition to our next topic yeah. if you want to tell everybody what we're talking about next oh my god yes we're going to be talking about romantic conflict next week now romantic conflict is a subset of mundane conflict not of narrative conflict which is a confusion for a lot of people but every story almost has a romantic storyline in it um even if it's a sub story even if it's a backstory you know um and people love love stories um but understanding romantic conflict again as a subset of mundane conflict and not narrative conflict is very important um so we're going to actually take an entire episode of this season in conflict just to talk about romantic conflict because it is in almost, it doesn't have to be by any means. Does it have to be in every story? No, but it is. It, fi- it finds its way, even if it's just a mm-hmm. subplot. Um, it finds its way into almost every story. There are reasons for that. We're going to discuss that. We're going to talk in much, much more depth about romantic conflict. All right. Awesome. So for goals, do you have homework? I do. I have homework. I have homework. Um, So everybody, you guys have been watching movies, reading books, and applying what you've learned this season about conflict. Um, You've identified narrative versus mundane conflict. You've identified central narrative conflict. Now I want you to go into a movie, book, TV episode, video game, whatever, and define goals according to the ASAP model. Are they active, specific, achievable, and personal? How are they so? Do you Notice a difference in the storylines where goals are weak on any of these metrics. Uh, What do you notice about those storylines? So look at your stories and do that analytical work. That's what helps you become a better writer. 
Yeah. Plus, it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. It's really, really fun. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So, we end every week talking about love and what we love. What stories are you loving this week, Lonnie? Oh, God. You know, did I already talk about the West Wing? I think I did already talk about the you West did, Wing. You did, but it's the West Wing and you can talk about it more than I am once. In, I am in the West Wing zone. I've also actually, ironically, been watching a lot of Veep yeah, with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I watched the West Wing uh, with my boyfriend. This is the show that we're watching together at this point. Um, and uh, oh, I know. Um, and then I watch Veep kind of on my own. But Veep is actually um, much, much more cynical. Um, I, I mean, much, much more cynical. Like the West Wing is hardly cynical at all. As a matter of fact, it's the incredible absence of cynicism and this this yeah. belief in yeah. things that can be good again. Uh, that was mm -hmm. just a bit too much for me to handle over the last few years. Um, but I've actually yeah, been, been enjoying these kind of political stories lately. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I guess because I have this thing, I have this little well of, um, I don't know, what is it called? Hope. That's what it is. Yeah. It's hope. called hope. That's, that's, I'm feeling yeah. hope again. Mm -hmm. And so that's been nice. Yeah. What about you? What have you been enjoying? So, uh, so I'll tell you, but first I want to say something about yes. the West Wing. Oh, because uh, I can't help myself. Mm. So I have uh, four of my best friends in the whole world from grad school. We have had the same text group text mm -hmm. for 10 years. Yeah. And so one of our one of our group has never seen The West Wing. <laughs> and he just started watching it. Yeah. And we've been telling him to watch it for years. Mm -hmm. And so we get this text the other night and he's like, I started The West Wing. He's on episode like three. Oh, right? my God. And at the same time, mm -hmm. one of the other people in there who loves it as much as I do, we both text the exact same words to cathedrals. Oh. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark. <laughs> And my friend is like, I don't know what that is, but I look forward to it. And then I'm like, and the napkin. It's two cathedrals and napkin. one napkin. That is the West Wing. <laughs> so he has no idea what I'm talking about. Oh, my God. I'm so, like, almost story jealous I of someone know. getting to watch that show for the first time. I know. My boyfriend has never watched it before. How? And I'm like, oh, my God. You're a grown-ass oh. man. How did this happen? <laughs> um, and so it is really, really fun to kind of like watch somebody um, experience this for the first time and especially experience yeah. it on the, the other side of what we've been through politically for the last few years. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. it's really fascinating and I am loving mm -hmm. watching it so, so much. But anyway, Kelly Jones, you cannot dodge the question. What no, are you, I won't. What are you I have, loving? I have, I have two answers. All right, awesome. Because I am, I am so full of love. Um <laughs> I finished Playing Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth. Oh, wow. How was it? Oh, my. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so freaking good. Awesome. I loved it so much. Um, I loved it. Oh, my God. This is the gayest, queerest, most complicated, multi-layered. There's 18 protagonists and six <laughs> different storylines. It's so fucking great. I love it. I can't even tell you mm -hmm. how much I loved it. Um, great. It's a little bit of a ghost story. You've got, you know, multiple timelines going mm -hmm. on. Anyway, it's fantastic. Wow. I loved it. I hope, I really, really hope they make it into a movie. Awesome. Um, so, but over the weekend, so anyway, I don't know if, I, I think I had talked about this on one of our podcasts, but I can't remember. I think you might've talked about it on Big Strong Yes. I think I might have. I can't yeah. remember. But a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. I had this idea. I wanted to write a book about the training school for fairy godmothers. <laughs> And so, like, I didn't have a character, I didn't have any goals, uh -huh. but I had the the actual rule book yeah. that I started writing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Because that's where my brain went. Mm -hmm. And the idea stayed with me for a while and then it flitted away because I didn't write it. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Well, Elizabeth Gilbert is always right. (laughs) When you have a good idea and you don't write it, it's going to go to someone else. And I'm really glad that this happened Mm -hmm. because this idea went and found somebody else. Well, there is a new Christmas movie on Disney Mm -hmm. right now called Godmothered. (laughs) And as a verb, which I fucking love. Uh. Um, And you have a fairy godmother in fairy godmother school Mm -hmm. who, you know, takes this one last charge and and comes to Earth to, like, help this person or whatever. Um, And it's it's a family comedy, Mm -hmm. you know. But it's kind of cute, yeah. and uh, and but it was just such a, a neat experience to be like, oh, mm-hmm. like that was a good idea, like that um, that idea yeah. came to life, and I'm so excited to see it, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but there was a lot of really cute stuff in that movie, so oh, that that's was really awesome. Fun to watch. That was so yeah. funny when you sent me that um, when you sent me that trailer, and I watched it. I was like, oh my god! And in Elizabeth Gilbert's uh, book, Big Magic, which Kelly and I yes. discussed for our podcast, Big Strong Yes, we did. Big Magic as the uh, the middle of three books um, that we talked about in that podcast. Um, in Big Magic, Elizabeth Gilbert was talking about how she had this very specific idea for a novel that she just could not, did not have time to work with. And then she went to a writer's conference and she saw Ann Patchett and she gave Ann Patchett a big kiss. And then a couple of years later, Ann Patchett was like, oh my God, I have this idea for this book and basically described Elizabeth Gilbert's book that she never wrote, um, you know, like detail for detail. And so when Kelly sent me this, uh, this trailer, and I watched it I was like girl who'd you kiss <laughs> <laughs> I have not kissed anyone at Disney um, but it was it was really yeah. really cool mm-hmm. you know it was just really really cool well so. I like that it was an opportunity for you to know that your story was was uh, you know commercially viable that you came up with an yeah. idea that had had viability to it as far as people being interested yeah. in yeah. It and wanting that yeah it was good creative mm-hmm. affirmation. Um, I love but, that. And it, it was it was just really cool to see. Yay. Yeah. So so that is it for goals. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich and me at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag HowStoryWorks. You can also follow all our shows and news at Chipperish. HowStoryWorks and everything Chipperish Media does is made free to all by our generous patrons. If you're getting value out of this discussion, we ask that you help us out by kicking a dollar or two a month our way so we can keep all of our goals active, specific, personal, and achievable. This episode of How Story Works was brought to you by the Chipperish Media Producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why How Story Works is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our January producers. Shelly, Kristen, Jonathan, Rose, Erica, Alice, Abigail, and Sarah. And this week's special message for our power producers, oh yeah, you blend. My cousin Vinny joke, whatever. Do the laws of physics cease to exist on your stove? Uh, uh, I just have to. uh, It's my favorite joke. (laughs) Stuff is happening for our Patreon supporters. Lonnie and I released our discussion of the Queen's Gambit for all patrons. $5 and up supporters get access to Lonnie's new video podcast with Ian Martin from Passion of the Nerd. Let's Watch Roulette, where they roll a random movie or TV show, watch it, and then react. And our $10 and up supporters get to hang out and watch us while we record and chat with us afterwards. And they get to hear firsthand how many times we mess up. I know. So if you're not a Chipperish supporter yet, now is definitely the time to start. We'll be back next time with our discussion of romantic conflict. Until then, if you want your Prince X baby, go find them. Go find them.